Hey there, online family. Thanks so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We believe that the message you're about to hear is a powerful one. We believe that the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work. And we believe that through this message, you'll hear from Him today. So please enjoy. Uh, good morning, everyone. As Pastor Matt said, my name is Amy Rice. I am the Refuge Kids Director here. And I am um, used to kind of being in the back, and my audience is a little bit shorter, a little bit smaller, and a whole lot louder. So um, I'm okay if you talk back at me a little bit while I share this morning, because I'm, I'm used to hands up and people asking questions. But um, I have a really creative title for my message this morning. Pastor Matt, are you ready? The Parable of the Unforgiving Servant. So I was laughing because he said, she's got a title for you. That's my, my unique title. But um, it's, it is such a, a privilege to be up here this morning. And I thank you, Pastor Matt and Deb, for trusting me to share the word today. Um, and before I get started, I would love to pray. So I'm going to go ahead and do that, and then we'll dive in. And Father, we just thank you that um, you are here in this place, God. We thank you that as we walked in today, whatever it is that we're carrying, Whatever it is that we walked in with, we can leave it, we can lay it down at the feet of Jesus, and we can walk away a new person. And so thank you, Lord, for the truths that you're going to share this morning, and thank you for being here um, and meeting with us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So um, to the worship team, wow, we had a great morning of worship this morning. I sat in the front row uh, next to my husband who gets a little little excited when he worships. And then down at the other end was, end was um, Sam Kehart, and he was getting a little excited this morning. So there was a lot of excitement happening over there. And um, if you're your first time and you're thinking, man, some people in this church get, they get a little excited when they sing their music. You know what it is? We've encountered a God who has completely and radically changed our lives. And we get a little excited when we show up to church. Because we get, to, we get to lift up the name of the one who has completely changed everything for us. So the good news is, um, if you came this morning and you're wondering, who is that person? Um, we're going to learn about him today. So if you're in my kids' church on Sunday um, and you bring your Bible, you get a little prize. I, I should have brought a prize this morning for all of you who brought your Bibles. I just didn't think of it, you know. I had a couple other things on my mind. But if you have your Bibles... Um, I'm going to start my message in Matthew 18, 21. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV version. I think it's going to be up on the screen as well, but feel free to follow along. So this is the parable of the unforgiving servant. So then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And there are some other translations that say 77 times seven, which is a whole lot of times, okay? Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought, um, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Uh, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment be made. I'm just going to pause there because his debts were so big. His master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment be made. 
So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my father will do to every one of you if you do not forget your, for, excuse me, let me start that one over. So also, my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forget your brother from your heart. So there's something that I want to point out about this passage. So I've read this before, and when I read it and I hear 10,000 talents, in my mind, my mind automatically shifts to like dollars because that's the monetary, you know, that's the monetary currency that we use. So I'm like, okay, that's like $10,000, right? That's what I think. But when you do a little look into what this says, in the Greek, it says 10,000 talents. And what that means is one single talent equals 20 years of wages. So one talent 20 years of wages. How many talents did the servant owe? 10,000. Thank you. That's what we do in kids' ministry. I'll pause. I'll say, what do we owe? And then they'll talk back at me. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> so if you're not a math person like me, I had to do the math before this morning because I'd get up here and then I'd get nervous and I'd forget what the number is. That's 200,000 years of wages. I have a question. Can anyone in here, I mean... I know I cannot pay $200,000 worth of wages, or excuse me, years, not even dollars. It's 200,000 years of wages to pay off debts. So can you imagine the burden on that servant? I can't imagine what he felt like walking in before that king. I can't imagine. I can't imagine walking in. I mean, I have a little bit of student loan debt. I feel that burden. But I can't imagine what he felt with 200,000 years of wages walking into the king thinking, my family's going to be sold. All of my possessions are going to be sold. What am I going to do? And then the king forgives him of his debt. What? Okay. Now, I don't know about you, but this man was sincere. He fell to his knees. He begged for mercy. The, the king forgives him. Imagine the weight off of his shoulders. Freedom! Oh yeah, I get a little excited when I share. Sorry. I work with kids. That's what happens. Freedom! Freedom! Right? I had this massive debt that I owed, and my king just, forgive, just forgave me. I don't know about you. I would be doing a happy little dance, right? But then, but then, it doesn't just stop there. What does he do? What does he do? He goes to his fellow servant, and he 
doesn't forgive his fellow servant one denarii. Now, denarii, I bet you all want to know how much a denarii is, don't you? I can see it. It is one single day of wages. So he had been forgiven 200,000 years of wages and one single day of wages. He could not offer forgiveness to his fellow servant. He immediately forgets, immediately, he forgets the magnitude of the debt he was forgiven. And he demands his fellow servant be thrown into prison. Huh. Then what happens? The king hears. The king hears of what happens and throws the man into prison. He had been given freedom. Freedom was in his grasp. And what did he do? He checked it. He said he, he forgot it. He had freedom and he gave it up for one measly day of wages. The weight of his debt was forgiven. And instead, instead of extending the same forgiveness to be like the king, to be more like the king, he demands repayment of the debt so, so tiny in comparison to what he had been forgiven. Imagine for a second, because I like to do this with the kids too, right? We got creative brains. Imagine for a second how that parable would have ended if the man ran to his fellow servants and told them of the great forgiveness he had just received from his king. Imagine it. My king has taken a debt from me that I could never ever repay. (laughs) There's good news in this church this morning. There is really good news in this church this morning. We have a king who has taken a debt from us that we could never repay. And that's why we get a little excited when during the worship time. That's why I get a little excited up here when I share because I've experienced this relationship with a living God My whole life, my whole life has changed because of him. So this morning, we're going to talk about unforgiveness. We're going to talk about forgiveness. We're going to talk a little bit about why forgiveness matters. We're going to talk about who we should forgive. And we're going to talk a little bit of how to forgive, right? Because when we say, oh, it's really important that you forgive. Well, hey, sometimes I need a little bit of help to figure that out. I know that I do. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about why forgiveness matters. When unforgiveness is left unintended, it becomes a poisonous root, a poisonous root that corrupts our hearts, our relationships, and the fruits that God wants to grow in us. So um, hating someone, holding on to an offense, harboring a grudge, carrying bitterness, All of those things are stemming out of unforgiveness in our hearts that we carry towards someone. All of those things carry many negative effects. The person who allows these attitudes to control his or her heart and control their life becomes miserable. Maybe you've met someone like that. You know, miserable, unhappy, nothing, nothing can please them guess what? His health suffers, 
and his relationships suffer. In Hebrews, it says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. What happens is something pops into our heart. We have a little bit of forgiveness. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's towards your spouse. Maybe it's something your spouse did or something your spouse said. And it starts out as just something tiny. And then it grows and it grows. And you think it's only affecting you. You think it's only affecting you, but what you don't realize is it's affecting all of those around you in the way that you respond to people, in the way that you care about people, in the way that you love people. How can we talk about the freedom that we've been given from our king when we can't be giving freedom, when we can't be giving forgiveness to those around us? So it might start as a small offense. Maybe it's something someone said. Maybe it's something that they did. Uh, Maybe it's a way that it acted. You may even be carrying an offense that that is what we called a borrowed offense. You're you're offended at somebody because of what you heard that they did to somebody else. Someone around you spewing their bitterness, spewing their anger about somebody else, and then you pick that up and you carry that and you put yourself into that prison. You know, sometimes... We have a lot of really fun and exciting topics at church. And sometimes we have a little bit harder topics. And this one's a little bit harder, right? I know for me, man, when this, when this was the word that I was assigned, or we, we, we know we talked through it, and this is the one I was decided I was going to share, this was a heavy one for me. You know why? I had to look into my heart. I can't come up here and share this word if I have unforgiveness in my heart towards somebody. What happens? The enemy will look for a foothold in any possible way to get into your life. He's here to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come so that you could have life and have life to the fullest. He wants you to have a full life. That's what this is all about. He teaches us these stories in parables because he's like, I want you to grasp it. I want you to have a full life. I want you to not be chained in bondage because of what somebody said to you or because of what somebody did to you or because of how somebody treated you. He wants those chains to break. He wants, the enemy wants to render you useless. He wants to distract you from the purposes and the, the plans that he has for you. And let me tell you something. If you're sitting in this room and if you have breath, he has a purpose for you. Absolutely. And if I need to say it again, I will. If you are sitting in this room and you have breath, then he has a purpose for you. And it's a good purpose, and it is a good plan. And if you're like, hey, I don't know what that purpose is for me, guess what? You're in the perfect place. You keep showing up here. You keep encountering God, and guess what he's going to do, right, Mer? He's going to show us his purpose for us, isn't he, Mer? Oh, I'm getting a little excited. I'm getting a little excited. So this enemy who's there, he's very real. He looks for a foothold into your life wherever he can get it. So Ephesians 4, 26, this is in the New Living Translation. It says, do not sin 
by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Whoa, that is pretty clear. I don't know about you. I get angry sometimes. My poor husband. I get angry at my husband sometimes, right? (laughs) He loves me. He's so nice. I'm so thankful for him. But do you know what um, a foothold is? A foothold, because I've read that one before, I love digging in to the meanings of words that I'm reading because it opens up a whole new understanding. So bear with me. I know I'm talking a lot. A foothold is a strong or favorable position from which further advances or progress may be made. So he wants to get into you however he can, so he can advance further. So maybe it starts out with, oop, I'm going to just sneak in a tiny bit of anger here. Oh, that person, they did this thing to me. I'm going to sneak in a tiny bit of, of, of bitterness here. I'm not going for- to forget what they did. I'm not going to forget how they treated me. I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to hold it nice and tight. And then all of a sudden, it's what was just affecting the small part of my heart has poisonous roots that are burrowing into all of the areas of your life. Oh, I'm not going to go to church this morning. Why do I need to go to church this morning? I'm not going to read my Bible today. What, what has God ever done for me today? That starts as something small, and it gives the enemy a foothold. Unforgiveness left unattended wreaks havoc on our physical bodies. This is interesting, Okay. Well, I think it's interesting. I shouldn't tell you what's interesting. But John Hopkins has a, has a mood disordered clinic, and they have a specialist who says, her name is Karen Schwartz. She says, there is an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed. Chronic anger puts you into a fight or flight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, now, hey guys, this isn't from the Bible. This is from a, um, she's a psychotherapist. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels, leading to improved health. Health, health. Studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering your risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels and sleep, reducing pain, blood pressure, levels of, de- of anxiety, depression, stress, bitterness, offense, anger, wreak havoc on our physical bodies. It is so interesting to me when I see things in, our, in the Bible, in the spiritual, which would be, and then see things in the natural connecting, right? He's not surprised by this. This is why he cared so much to put forgiveness everywhere in his word, because he sees, he knew, he knew the effect it was going to have. He knew people are going to have to hang out with other people, They're going to be around other people. They're going to be around hurt people who hurt people. And they're going to need to know these truths. If left unattended, unforgiveness can also wreak havoc on our spirits. You see, God commands 
that we forgive. He doesn't just say, well, if the offense was small enough, if, if the offense was small enough, then, then you can forgive. I mean, 200,000 years of wages puts things into a little bit of perspective. It is so critical to our walk with him that he broke it down into a story. That's what I, I love the parables because it's a story. Oh, it helps open up my mind and open up my eyes, right, to what the Bible is saying. We can't read through the parable, right? Can you read through that parable and wonder if forgiveness is optional? We can't. To be forgiven, we must forgive. It says in Matthew 6, 14 through 15, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But, there's a but, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So, that leads to my next question. Who? Who must we forgive? We've been talking about what happens if we don't forgive. Who must we forgive? Jesus' command doesn't allow us to pick and choose who we forgive. Mark 11.25 says, And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, if you have anything against who? Yes, you guys got it. So that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. So, my question is, do you hold bitterness, anger, resentment, unforgiveness against your spouse, against your parents? Maybe it's a sibling, a friend, a former friend, your boss, your coworker, the lady at the grocery store that said something mean about your hair. I know, it's funny, right? But, I mean, there are, you know, there may be someone you're harboring bitterness, resentment, anger against who's no longer living. But you're holding on to the effects of that person still. Who must we forgive? Anyone, anyone that has wronged us or sinned against us or hurt us. So, so maybe you're sitting here and you're, you're thinking, well, that's easy for you to get up there and say, but you don't know the wrongs that I've experienced, Amy. I can't forgive what's been done to me. I can't forgive that person. You don't understand what I've experienced. Maybe you're here and you have experienced unimaginable hurts at the hands of others. And you've held it and you've carried it for years. It weighs on you. And we hold it. We think, oh, they hurt me, and so I'm going to carry this hurt, and it's going to be my punishment to them. And when I see them, I'm going you know, to walk the other way, or I'm never going to see them again in my life, etc. Guess what? Even in those hardest of circumstances, God still wants us to forgive. So we might need to forgive God right? We might need to forgive God because our lives turned out differently than what we expected. Maybe we've allowed um, some bitterness to creep into our hearts because our timeline doesn't match up with his timeline. 
Our expectation doesn't match up with his expectation. You know, a little bit of personal story time. Ever since I was a little girl, all I ever wanted was to be a mom. Uh, people would ask, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I'm like, a mom? Like, what kind of question is that? I'm gonna be, I want to be a mom. You know what? And it took me a while to find the coolest husband. And so I'm like, oh, man, here it is. I found this godly man, and now I get to marry him, and I get to have a family with him. And I, I, I don't think I've ever been so excited. You think I'm bouncy right now. You should have seen me on my wedding day. I mean, I mean... <laughs> Right, Jan, my mother-in-law is clapping her hands. I, I, I was bouncing down the aisles. I was so excited. But let me tell you something. It's not always sunshine and rainbows sometimes, right? So if you know me, one of the things that you might know about me is that I don't have kids right now. And two years into our relationship, right? And that's what I've always wanted the most. And let me tell you, it's been a hard year. We've had a hard year. But you know what? Several months ago, I was sitting in my office, and I was having a hard day, you know, because I'm like, man, God, I don't understand. Why is it something that seems to come so easily to everybody else so hard for us? I don't understand. I was having a hard day. I will even admit I was having a little bit of a pity party. And it was affecting my mood. It was affecting my relationships. It was affecting my prayer life. It was affecting um, reading the Bible. It was affecting me. Or maybe I should say infecting me. So sitting at my computer in my office, and I was grumpy. I was in a bad mood. And you know what I did? I put, on, I put on a little worship music, and I sat at my desk, and I just sat there, and I said, Lord, do not want to be bitter about this. I do not want to carry bitterness in my heart about this. You know why? You've blessed me with an amazing life. I look back in my life and you have shown yourself to be faithful over and over and over again. And so, Lord, I do not want to be bitter because you have blessed me, because you have blessed me, and because you're a good and you're a faithful God. And so I started opening up my heart to him and sharing with him what was in my heart. Guess what? He already knew it. But do you know what happened? Do you know what happened? There was a release off of me, church. There was a release off of me when I said, God, help me to walk through this, honoring you and glorifying you, giving you the glory, and help me not to become bitter or angry or um, offended because you didn't follow my plan. And you know what? Sounds easy, but for me, that was such a difficult moment to surrender that thing I was holding on to so tightly. Oh, but when I did, let me tell you something. I am not the same woman today that I was a year ago. I walked through some hard stuff, but guess what? I'm not the same person I was a year ago. I, I'm not. He not only sustained me through it, he brought me through it on the other side, stronger, more committed to my faith, and more eager to see this world one for Jesus. The enemy, oh, 
He tried to get a foothold. He tried, but he doesn't get one. He doesn't. You know what? I can say confidently, no matter what comes, my God is still good. Guess what? I believe with my whole heart I'm going to hold my own baby someday. I believe it. I stand on that truth. I believe it. But guess what? Guess what? If not, (laughs) my God is still good. And let me tell you something. My heart, the difference between then and now, oh, I'm having joy in the process. Having joy in the process. All right. So before we can talk about how to forgive, we should talk a little bit about what is forgiveness and what is not forgiveness, right? Because like I said, some of us in here might be carrying some unforgiveness from some very difficult, traumatic experiences in our lives. And the one thing that we need to remember is that forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not minimizing what's been done to you. It's not letting that person off the hook. You need to be honest about the hurt and the destructions. And sometimes, lovingly, let them experience the consequences. If not put, it's not putting yourself into a position where you can be damaged again. You don't need to put yourself in harm's way to forgive somebody. It's not forgetting what happened. And then forgiveness does not mean automatic, or automatic trust. Pastor Matt gave a really good analogy where he said, I might lend you my car, and um, you might crash it. I'll forgive you, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be super willing to let you drive my car again, you know? So then what is forgiveness? It's freeing someone from the debt of whatever offense they committed against you. It's foregoing the right to get even. It's an active process in which you make a conscious decision even when you don't feel like it. I'm going to read that again. Even when you don't feel like it. Forgiveness sets the offended one free to heal and grow beyond the point or the pain of offense. I've experienced a lot of healing and growing by releasing that. So, how do we do that? You make a mental decision to choose to forgive. Forgiveness is not based on our feelings, but based on Jesus' command. If you wait until you feel like it, you will never forgive. Hey, we also have to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. There are situations that may go beyond our abilities to give forgiveness, right? And, and sometimes it's, you wake up, okay, I'm making a conscious decision right now to forgive this person for what they've done. Right now in this moment, I'm making that decision. And tomorrow I wake up and guess what? Boom, the first thing I think of in that morning, oh, I think of what that person did to me. And my, you know, my, my blood's boiling a little bit and I'm, I'm getting a little, you know, okay, no, Lord, I'm releasing this to you and I'm asking you to walk me through this forgiveness. Humble yourself. Cry out to the Holy Spirit to help you release that forgiveness and offense from your heart. He will show up for you. 
unforgiveness and symptoms of, of um, excuse me, unforgiveness and symptoms of forgiveness, you, you sometimes say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to forgive that person. But uh, you see that person in the hallway and you dart the other way or they, it rises up inside of you when you think about that person, maybe, we don't, maybe we're still actively walking through that forgiveness if that is happening. Another thing is obeying God's command to release forgiveness by following his word. Gosh, I'm so thankful for the word of God. There are so many answers in the word of God. You know, it was written a long time ago, but there is stuff in there for today and for right now that directs our paths. And it says in Luke 27 through 28, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. So he's saying, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who misuse you. Pray for their happiness and their welfare. It's really hard to hold a grudge against somebody when you're praying for God to bless them and sincerely meaning it. Lord, bless that person. Bless, bless their life, Lord. And there's a release that happens when you, when you turn it over to him. As you pray, God can give you the revelation that will bring them out of their own deception. They may not even be aware that they hurt you. Let me tell you, I, this has happened to me before. I have had someone come up to me and say, Amy, I just want you to know that what you said really, really hurt me, and I have been offended for, you know, in this particular situation, it was a couple of weeks. And I was, I was so shocked. And I, did, I first of all, I said, thank you for telling me. I had no idea. That was not my intention to hurt you. You're one of my friends, you know? That was not my intention, and will you forgive me? And guess what? Oh, move right along like nothing ever happened. Sometimes we have the ability to go and talk to people and work those things out, but sometimes we don't, or sometimes it's an unsafe situation where it is not smart to go work those things out. It is not smart to put yourself back in the path of an abuser or someone who has hurt you um, deeply, right, wronged you. So in those situations, we have to depend upon the Holy Spirit to finish that forgiving work in our heart, right? But how we can, when in our own ability, when it's someone maybe sitting right in this room with you that you've carried an offense with, go to that person, talk to them, humble yourself, ask for forgiveness. In marriages, man, sometimes you have to humble yourself I know I've been married for not even two years, so I probably know a whole lot of what I'm talking about on that regard. But there are times when I have to humble myself and go to my spouse and be like, and, and, and lead that, start that conversation. We have that conversation. Hey, can you forgive me? And sometimes, you know, he's the one coming and asking it from me. We humble ourselves instead of that pride that hold, keeps us holding on so tightly. You know, when we walk into church, and we, we lift up our hands because we want to receive something from the Lord, but we're holding on. We're holding on tight. So how, how can he have room to do what he wants to do in us? 
Romans 12, 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. And in the Greek, the bless means speak well of. And to curse means speak evil of. So you can't walk in forgiveness and be a gossip. You can't walk in forgiveness, and I can't go to my friend Ashley and be like, oh, Ashley, guess what so-and-so did to me? They really hurt me, and she can't come to me. You know what? I am a little bit of a, I guess they say mama bear, even though I don't have kids. But my personality, I have to be careful with this one because my personality is um, you don't harm someone that I care about. And so I have to be really careful when it comes to a borrowed offense. I have to release that to the Lord. And um, that can be a good trait. It can be a really good trait because I think I care a lot about people, right? But when you harm someone that I love, I have to be careful that I don't carry that offense in my heart. So we can't be going and and speaking and gossiping and um, spreading these things because if Your unforgiveness is putting you in a prison. You don't want it to put someone else in prison with you. You don't want to share that misery. They say misery loves company, but that's that's a terrible statement. That's awful. That goes against what the word says. Misery does not love company. Nobody loves misery. Say that. So we have to we we must stop repeating the offense. We have to stop repeating the offense. So You can't get over what we continue to talk about. I think the worship team is going to get ready to come up here in a minute. Another important way to forgive, in my opinion, one of the most important ways, probably why I saved it for last, by remembering our guilt before the Lord and his mercy to forgive us and set us free, and then being merciful to hold others not guilty. So that king didn't say to the servant, I'm going to forgive you of your debt. So um, when you, and since you had such a large amount, you should forgive others who have a large amount. He didn't care how small the debt was that the other servant owed him. You had been given this freedom this freedom to be released from the, the, the burden. I, I, I literally cannot imagine having 200,000 years of debt on my shoulders and then having it released and then walking out the door and for, forgetting. But, but sometimes, church, do we have our debts forgiven and then we walk out the door And we forget what he's done for us. So my question is, is it behind you? Is it truly behind you if it's still affecting you right now today? If it's affecting your decisions? If it's affecting the way that you talk? If it's affecting the way that you treat others? Is it truly behind you? If it creeps its way back up in, Is it behind you if it affects your attitude? What does your attitude look like? Do you know, I mean, we have freedom in Jesus. And you know what? That makes me excited. I want my attitude to be reflective of the one who set me free. 
out of mind does not mean there has been healing. And in fact, how does a garden get infected with weeds? Right? My parents are gardeners. They have like this, this massive, cool garden. I'm not a gardener. I can't keep plants alive for anything. But all it takes is one nasty weed to pop up that's not pulled out from the root to infect the entire garden. That weed might start over here in the cherry tomatoes. And you think, oh, I see that weed over there in the tomatoes. Oh, but that's no big deal. I'm just going to leave it. Or I'm just going to snip it off at the surface. I can't see it anymore. So it, it's not there. But the, the roots are expanding and growing. And now what once was just affecting the cherry tomatoes has snuck over to your pea pods. And what happens? It rips the nutrients from the soil. It steals the nutrients from what the garden is growing. We're each supposed to be growing and producing fruit. Fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Let me tell you something. When my heart is wrapped up in bitterness, I don't have a whole lot of patience for anything. When it's wrapped up in anger, where's the peace? Where's the self-control? It's not visible when my heart is imprisoned because I'm not forgiving. Let me tell you something. When I released my, when I released that little tiny bit of bitterness to the Lord, I feel like there's nothing stopping me now. You think I'm excited now? It just keeps going and going. When I feel that someone has wronged me, I trust that God will be the judge. Because he says in his word to judge not lest you be judged. So we release that over. You know, this is one of those messages, right? I way prefer, I, I, I spoke on joy here, the joy of the Lord being our strength. I way prefer, those. that's like exciting to talk about joy. Because joy is happy. Unforgiveness, that's a harder topic. But we don't get to pick and choose which parts of the Bible we want to follow. We don't get to say, hey, I love that Jesus died for my sins so that I can go to heaven. But that's it. That's, that's the part in the Bible that we don't get to choose that. It's he died for our sins and he forgave us. And now we must forgive others. It's his command. We must be doers of his word. In James, it says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says. Do what it says. And so you might be in this place, and you may have walked in thinking, I was not expecting a loud, bubbly woman to be yelling at me all morning. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yell. I just get excited. I get excited because God shows up, and he loves us. My, a friend of mine says this all the time. Oh, Amy, God loves you so much the way you are but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Thank God. I am so thankful that the woman I am right here today is not the woman I was a year ago, but I'm so thankful that next year at this time, 
He's just going to continue to move me through the process. And guess what? Who you are here today is not who you have to be. He is here to encounter with. If any, everyone wants to stand up on their feet, we're going to enter into another time of worship. But before we do that, I want to pray with us. I want to pray because I believe, I believe, well, I shouldn't say I believe. My husband and I have been praying for this morning. We believe that there is power in forgiveness, not just the forgiveness that God has given us, but the forgiveness that we can release so that God can do in our lives what he wants to do. And so all over this place, I'm just going to ask for you to close your eyes because this is a really personal subject. And we want to give people room to just have a moment with Jesus in this place. So Father, I thank you that you are here. I thank you, Lord, that you are here to release from chains those of us who have been holding on so tightly to something that is poisoning us, to, to the unforgiveness of what somebody said or what somebody did. And Father, we just ask, Lord, for your presence to be in this place and touching hearts. Father, we thank you that there is no thing, there is no thing that has been done to us that is beyond you. And so, Father, we just pray for healing in this place, Lord. We pray for healing in our minds, in our minds where we have had words spoken over us that we simply cannot get out of our minds. Father, would you speak louder than those words? Would there be a release of those words in Jesus' name? Father, I pray for the person, Lord, who has experienced heartbreaking trauma, who has carried that weight on their own over and over again and doesn't know where to turn. Father, I pray your presence in this room would release that burden. They don't have to carry it anymore. May it be cast off forever, done. And Father, in those places of their heart, Lord, fill it with your peace. Fill it with hope for the future that you have for that person, Lord. And Father, in this place, for those of us who are carrying small debts towards other people, help us, Lord, to have the strength to release it. If we need to go and humble ourselves and talk to somebody, Lord, help us to do that, to act and to respond. Because, Lord, we believe there is a life of freedom that we can experience when we hear your word and when we do it. And so, Father, give us the strength. Give us the strength to forgive those who maybe we feel don't deserve it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We're going to end. We're going to um, end today with some worship. Um, but church, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to share with you. And um, if you are carrying the weight of unforgiveness, the effects of unforgiveness, there's going to be a prayer team up here, and I encourage you to step up and ask somebody to agree with you to release those things. Thank you.
Thank you so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We hope that this message spoke to you in a very meaningful way and that you were able to connect with the Lord. And hey, if you made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, we are first and foremost just so happy for you and we would love to get connected with you. So if you want to find some more of our content and find out how to get connected with us, feel free to check out our website at wearerefuge.net. Be blessed and have an amazing rest of your day.